Welcome to Copex Radio, WCPX 66.6 on your podcast style with me, your host, Django Nudo. And the Smut Peddler. And together we are Copex. Yay! Welcome Ooh. to our second podcast. This is very exciting. You know, it's only been one week since our first podcast. And to our amazement, we are already available from Apple, from Spotify, from Google. So from all your good podcasting sources. Sources. So if that's not a stamp of approval, I don't know what is. Are you as happy as I am about it? I'm so excited I can't even find words. <laughs> no, but you found the right side of the microphone, so... Today, I'm better. speaking into the microphone, actually, so things can only get better. Exactly. You know, we're, we're acing this technology thing. So anyway, welcome very much. And thank you very much to all of those of you who listened and downloaded the first one. Last I checked, there were 50 downloads of the first podcast, which they can't all be my mother either, because uh, she doesn't even know how to listen to podcasts, I don't think. So whoever you are, thank you very much. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about just one film. So we're going to really geek out on one particular title. But before we do that, we've got a little bit of a review of the week and um, look at what's happening behind the scenes at Cult Picks. So to start us off, we're going to have um, what I call the good, the bad and the ugly week in review of what's been happening at Cult Picks. So starting off, what's been good this past week at Cold Pigs. I would say what's been really good is the uh, uh, article we had in Variety, which is like the major brag for entertain the entertainment industry. Uh, they got an exclusive, they published it, and uh, suddenly we are approached by a lot of really, really cool distribution companies asking, who, who are you guys and can we play with you? And definitely. And they had some cool toys, rather cool films. So some of them we are super thrilled um, to hopefully be working with. You know, we signed a deal. We've spoken to them. We've had lots and lots of Zooms with Europe, North America, who knows what. And I mean, we're not going to give, we're not going to name names, are we? We're going to be prick teasers and, and just, you know, because we don't want to spoil the surprise. But no, and we cool also people. don't want to jinx things uh, unless, nope. until the, the, the deal is done, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. But we can, you know, we're not making this up. We can promise you if only half of these things come through, there's going to be some really cool films. So For sure. That was definitely the good. Um, other things the good, apart from getting the podcast to working, that was you know, another highlight. Yeah. And of course, our first members, you know, we, we managed to overcome, let's, let's make the whole uh, Stripe thing a good thing because the issues we have with the payment platform resolved, fixed. People can now officially become paid up members of Cold Picks. Which big, is also big, yeah. a very, very good thing, yes. And of course, we shall not forget our friends in our neighboring country to the east. Yes, we, we were We were overflowed by interest from film fans in Finland. Yes. All based on one article. Yeah, we were quite surprised. We thought someone was like trolling us, but it was actually people <laughs> who are into cult movies in Finland. Yeah. Uh, I don't tons know. and tons of them. Whatever the Finnish word for trolling is, but yeah, we were. And let's be honest, we haven't we haven't done a, a sort of big push for the big public internationally. I mean, we have the Variety article, which is for the trades, really. It's to get people to answer our calls, because let's face it, a lot of distributors never got back to us when we emailed them, and now they are. So thanks for that, Variety. 
Um, but because we're invitation only, still only invitation, um, we don't want to make a big launch. We don't want to be encouraging people to sign on to the waiting list because it will be a little while until we resolve everything. I mean, we, we're figuring out how it is that we can cope with a few hundred people on the platform. Um, what it would be like if we had thousands on, I don't want to think about that just yet. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, uh, well, that's not, not the, well, it might be part of the bad, but we do feel that we need, need to iron out some bugs and, and some technical issues. Yeah, we'll definitely get to the bad. So let me finish up. My last good thing is that um, we've had a lot of help, especially a shout out to our friend Simone in Italy. Yay, Simone! Um, Ciao, Simone. Um, in upgrading the quality of a lot of our titles. And let's face it, we've got hundreds of titles on there, but even though we worked long and hard, you know, it was a massive work to get all those titles on there. And even though we did try to find the best quality, we didn't always succeed. Turns out there were, you know, we could have found a DVD or a Blu-ray, something we could have ripped and made it even better. So I know you've been very busy with downloading and uploading yeah. higher I think, quality versions. I think, uh, I think we've upgraded about 20 titles last week. So it's it's really good. And now, now you can see them in focus, which is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I know there are B-films that are never going to be Lawrence of Arabia restoration, but you know, they can be in better quality. And, yeah. and some of the ones, and some you know new ones as well. But what have been some of the key best ones that have seen a facelift um, in terms of what's on offer. So just looking at the list, we had um, Teenage Zombies, which had a anniversary this week. Uh, the Brain That Wouldn't Die was another one. Yeah. Um, and Monster Walks, Suddenly, How Awful About Alan. Yeah, it's quite a few good ones yeah. there. And 10 minutes ago, I just finished uploading The Killer Shrews in a beautiful, beautiful version. Ooh. That one's a classic. Yeah. Definitely good to have. Right. So that's the good. Let's get on to, you know, what we could call the let the bad. And and technical problems have been uh one of them. People having problems logging in, people not getting the SMS code. That was the fault of the SMS platform affected everybody, not just us. Not shifting blame, but I'm really shifting blame. Uh Safari browser. Real issue. Very sorry about that. Obviously, this thing works better on Chrome, but eventually we'll get it working on all major browsers. Um, so yeah, we've got a great technical team. We throw them these problems, and usually they fix them, or it turns out somebody else's fault. But that, for me, has been the bad. Any bad for you, Ricard? Yeah. Or, well, we sorry. are getting the question over and over again about will will it be possible to get the the service through through app store app store and things like that and uh in terms of people wanting to to stream straight to their big screen flat tv yeah. and uh the, well the answer is that we will never ever go through any kind of service wishing to censor our content yeah. So that's the issue with that. And we, we will work with the technology where we can be in control. Yeah. So the Apple App Store is out, probably the Google Store as well. Yeah. Maybe Roku. I've heard good things about them. But yeah. And people cancel cost. If they have a Fire TV stick, if they have um, an Apple TV, they can cost it from their phone or their tablet. It is possible to stream it to your big screen TV. So you don't have to just watch it on your laptop. Yes. I should emphasize. Yeah. And... Um, but yeah, that's a very good point. So I think that's pretty much it. Oh, the ugly, the ugly. Hmm. 
Mm. I'll tell you what mine ugly was. Uh, comes back to distributors. We had some amazing distributors come to us. We had some pretty dodgy ones as well, a couple of ones, and, and one in particular. We're not going to name names or which country they're from. But they sent us a long list of films, and there were some films that stood out on this list. Anything that grabbed your attention in particular? Uh, Peddler? There were a bunch of them, um, especially uh, quite a few titles that are owned by our our partners who are have delivered films to cult picks which is yep. kind of strange because they these partners do own the worldwide rights that's right and then as the 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 sort of the the, the big the big challenge there was that we found one of our own titles that we own uh, exclusively in perpetuity yep. in all media yeah and, and that was anita uh, teenage nymphet with christina Lindbergh and uh, yep. stellan skarsgård and when we pointed this out to them, they didn't apologize. They said, oh, no, it's, we bought it. It's public domain. It's, it's you know, the dog ate my homework. I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> rubbish excuse, but, it, you know, hey, mm. we're, in, we're in the film business. It attracts the best and the worst of people. So. Yeah, and I, and I think this is actually <clears throat> sort of historically correct that this is an industry full of gangsters. So, so they, they have to show up. Otherwise, we, we would yep. have been disappointed. These were definitely gangsters, ugly ones too. Mm. So that's my ugly for the week. So now over to a theme week and we should have a howl inserted here as a link. You want to do a howl? Oh! <laughs> so yes, the news this week and the theme was werewolves. And um, I, I don't know if you spot in the newsletter. Could you pick out the two film quotes? And the sources, I think one of them actually said where it was from, but no, that you you wrote that thing, and I I have don't have a clue. It's horrible. <gasps> yeah, yeah, I know. So Sorry. werewolves, they're wolves. Young that, oh, Frankenstein. Yes, that one I do know. Of course. Yeah, then you do know. Yeah. yeah. No, the ones about not sniffing on crotches. That's from what we do in the shadows, mm. which um, is a classic. And but you know, very down on werewolves. I know werewolves are the most proletarian of all monsters but you know they get a they get a bad rap so they do any particular favorite werewolf films of yours on our list or even off our list well i would i would say that that the 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 one which in sweden actually was called dr yogami from london with lon cheney jr <laughs> that would be my favorite which was one of the very first ones from universal yeah well it's a good one but an American werewolf in London, everybody's classic, I think. Mm. I'm not sure the Paris one is. Um, I admit, I have a soft spot for Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox. I think I was just of that age. That's but, you know. right. Yeah, that 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 came as a sort of a celebration of the teenage uh, horror films from the fifties, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I haven't rewatched it, but I think they made another remake of it. But mm -hmm. anyway, but we've got. I mean, there's some good selection on our um, cult picks as well. Um, a werewolf in Washington, which is rare werewolf political satire. <laughs> Only after Watergate could you have dreamt up something like that. Yeah. Um, the great Italian werewolf film, Lycanthropus. Am I pronouncing it correct? I think so. Sounds like mm. Latin to me. Yeah, or werewolf in a girl's dormitory, mm. which, um, again, it's um, not just werewolves. It's got prostitution, blackmail, all the things you'd want from a good horror film. And finally, uh, a late submission from, again, our colleague Simone, um, a film that sounds like a heavy metal band. And a heavy metal album. 
A heavy metal album, yes. <laughs> Wolf Blood, colon, A Tale of the Forest. Yes, and you found the perfect still from it in terms of the um, uh, dialogue, because it's mm. a 1925 film. It's a silent werewolf film, the first surviving werewolf film known about. There was an earlier one, but it's lost to time called The Werewolf from 1913. But this is the oldest known surviving werewolf film. And you had a great title card from it uh, because it's about a story about a man who um, has an accident and then to save him, they have to do a blood transfusion, but no human wants to volunteer. So they transfuse the blood from a wolf. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> exactly. I, th I think this sort of ties in with the anti-vaxxing movement, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. What are you, what are you putting into me? <laughs> exactly. Anyway, if you haven't seen it already, do do check it out. It's just over an hour long, and you know, it's it's a cool film, Wolf Blood, mm -hmm. an even cooler name. I can't believe they haven't done a remake of it yet. So. Yeah, I can't believe there's no band called Wolf Blood. I think there was a teenage TV series, but yeah, but you've had plenty of um, bands. It's sorry, it's mud. You need to mm -hmm. you need to do an album or a song called Wolf Blood. Yeah, I love it. That pretty much wraps up the week in cult picks. And with that, we're going to go over to the main theme of today and this episode, which is one film and one film only. So we're going to massively geek out on nothing other than Rum, the Invasion in Lapland, otherwise known in English as... Terror so, in the Midnight Sun. What a great name. Or... Or Invasion of the Animal People. And as we say in Sweden... Uh, a dear child has many names. Yes, yes, and this one has indeed. So why don't we start off by playing something from the trailer. was a little taster of the trailer from Terror in the Midnight Sun. Now let's start off by talking about the link to Club Super 8, the parent company of Cold Picks. So this is kind of an iconic film for Club Super 8. So what exactly, I'm, pretend, I'm going to pretend that I don't know but, and let you tell me and the listeners, but what is it that makes Terror in the Midnight Sun special to Club Super 8 before we go into what the film is and, and uh, who's in it and so on. Well, it's, uh, it's very close to my heart because it's one of the first Swedish cult movies I ever heard of. I had a summer job uh, when I was 20 years old working at the Board of Censors in Sweden, believe it or not. And I found... On the dark side, you worked for the dark <laughs> I side. I worked for the dark side. And I found this censorship card about a film called Rymdinvasion i Lapland or Terror in the Midnight Sun. And I was like, did we make a movie like that in Sweden? And many, many and years... I can interrupt you, but yeah. in Swedish, the Swedish title translate as Space Invasion in Lapland. That is correct. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's even more appealing than Terror in the Midnight Absolutely. Sun. Absolutely. And um, then many, many years later, and, and we talked about this on, on the first episode of our, of our podcast, uh, we did a film festival together with, with Mike Rainey and Lisa Petrucci from Something Weird Video. And they were really eager to sign a contract with the producer of this film. 
and we found him we got in touch and the the deal was done and then they became our mentors in terms of starting to release films on VHS so uh, Rymdivation i Lapland was I think was the very first film we ever released about 20 years ago and that was on VHS I mean yes. we're talking grandpa technology here yeah and and uh, a little uh, little episode there is that the first VHSs we had copied were at uh, the offices of Maxis, which was Sweden's biggest pornographic VHS manufacturer. So the the first ones has a golden stamp into the cassette saying Maxis. So those are very valuable now. I was going to collector's edition. I hope you weren't... I hope you weren't recording over some old Swedish porn and then accidentally left some at the end of it. I, I that would make for interesting. <laughs> that could be interesting, yeah. I don't think so, no. Okay. And then afterwards, it also became one of the first films that um, Club Super 8 issued on DVD and most recently on Blu-ray as well. So it's a film that stays with you or us. It has been following us around over the years. And, and the, the latest version which we 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 issued uh, in december on blu-ray is uh, completely restored digitally restored by the swedish film institute as so it's part of the swedish film heritage it's now been uh, counted as as uh, an essential film in sweden so you've gone from having a stamp from max the big porn producer on your vhs to having the stamp of the swedish film institute on the dv on the blu-ray itself that is a wonderful observation. I'd never thought of it like that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You've gone mainstream. You've yeah. sold out. Yeah, I guess. Ah, happens to everybody. Well, <laughs> and now it's the first film that we feature in depth on the Cult Picks podcast. So, you know, the space invasion lives on and on and on. Um, are we going to play a clip from it or are we going to go into the history of the production and the people behind it? Well, we can play a little clip first. Just a short one, um, and then we can talk more about it. Sounds good. Play what you've got. little taster from Terror in the Midnight Sun, Rymdivation i Lapland. And um, as the terror suggests, it involves um, terror, involves Midnight Sun, north of Sweden. But before we get into the plot and all that, let's talk a little bit about the kind of interesting characters behind it, because some of them are like from a film itself. So let's start off with the producer, uh, Bati Jan Bari, who had a very, very strange life. He was a filmmaker for the army, first of all. That's where that's where he started learning about making movies, and I think that the Swedish army, believe it or not, sent him to study filmmaking at Bavaria Studios in West Germany and Cinecitta in Rome. Obviously, the very very famous, mm. uh, iconic studio of of especially the Fellini films. Yeah. Yeah, see, no wonder he turned out good. So, And he went on to produce several films, uh, many of which can be found on Cult Picks. 
Yes, so we we have um, well one of my absolute favorites in terms of of a, a cheesy storyline is Hellebeck's Gourd, Hellebeck Farm, where you can actually say that uh, the main plot is should the farm family exchange the horse for a tractor. Talk about um, your exciting story. And that's it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. I did, there's some arson there and some and some love triangle too. So there's more mm. to it, of course. So it's not quite just watching paint dry, but no. Yeah. But then we have two films that we never released on on uh, on DVD that will be exclusively up on Cultpix, and that's Mood yep. in Mastrand, Murder in Mastrand, and Linea Six, Line Six. Um, so they will be coming up uh, within a month or two. There you go. You heard it here first on Cultpix Radio. Yeah. Uh, more upcoming titles. And then UN soldiers in Congo, lots of atrocities. I'm reading off the script here. I don't know the first thing about it. <laughs> yeah, well, he 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 was a, a, he was sent uh, to Congo as a UN soldier to film uh, what was going on there in in terms of the war, and I think that deeply affected his his uh, <laughs> psyche. Um, and uh, then he went on, and I did not know about this until I found an old Swedish men's magazine with a huge article about this Swe- this Swedish officer who was a gun smuggler uh, in the Cyprus crisis in the was it the early sixties I think yeah and and he was he was written about a lot for that and. Not wishing to rush through this colorful life, but he was a party fixer for the royal family in Sweden as well. Yeah, he really had the fa- the, the royal family's ear, so to speak. So he, he made all these huge parties, like with tournaments, with knights in big tents. And he was following them around. Well, what was a mission from them to film them on their official trips to different countries. So he did a lot of strange things. But... Uh, I remember him from my youth because he lived in the same area as me and he bought a whole block of villas outside of Stockholm. So he bought one villa and then he bought all the neighbors' villas. And in oh. his, his basement, he had the whole basement was a uh, train, uh, hobby train. The, oh. whole, the, whole, the whole thing, which is quite strange. And right. also, he was he was famous because when he had his fiftieth birthday, he told all his guests, "Bring a toothbrush and your passport." Ooh, I like those kind of invitations. Yep. How come I never get them? So they were sent to uh, the Orlando airport to go abroad for dinner, I think, in Switzerland or whatever. Hmm. Uh, and then, even in his eighties, when he was totally destitute, he was staying in a room inside of an office of another film producer. He had no real home, but on the wall he had this blue beret, he had this um, leopard skin, he had some old weapons from Congo, and he was planning on creating a, a spa or hotel area in Egypt costing $400 million. Hmm. So never give up on your dream. No, no. Even if it's it's got a budget, you know, size of Cleopatra. Yeah. Film. So it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> kind of a strange story. Anyway, Colorful Life, Batulian by producer, but he wasn't the only producer. So the other producer wasn't one. Um, I there were two of them, or am I seeing double? 
Yes, they were the uh, inextinguishable Unger twins, Battil and Gustav Unger, who came from Sweden. They were dancers, actors, journalists. They moved to Hollywood. They did a lot of uncredited scenes in Hollywood movies as dancers and had some real acting uh, appearances as well. In, For instance, Nickelodeon by Peter Bogdanovich and The World's Greatest Lover by and with Gene Wilder. Oh, not seen And then one. in 1959, well, I should say this because this is kind of funny and we will put a picture up in social media. They were so identical that the only thing that you could tell them apart was one had a monocle in one in the left eye and one had this monocle in his right eye. So that's kind of weird. But uh, that's a real telltale because of course they couldn't switch and pretend to be each other, could they? <laughs> exactly, it was impossible. Were they married? Do we know? <laughs> I don't know what happened, but they might have had some trading of, of wives from time to time. You never know. Mm, actors. So they were, and they had never ever produced a film. Uh, and Rymd Invasion in Lapland went way, way, way over budget. So they ah. never ever earned a dime on that movie. And they were also really shitty at promoting the film internationally. <laughs> so it was basically a flop even though it opened in a lot of uh, countries uh, i mean we have seen the the ads from uh, egypt or from uh, india we have seen the poster from mexico from the uk yeah. and so forth so and i don't know if i told you this but on instagram where post something about it i heard from somebody who'd watched it as a matinee in their small cinema in the uk i think in the 1970s really so it yeah, I'll have to forward you yeah, that. I, that's I, a, that's I, amazing, yeah. So it had a long life, yeah. uh, clearly, after it flopped in cinemas. And then uh, during the same period as uh, Rymdivation, they also produced in Sweden the TV series 13 Demon Street, which is a yes. horror anthology uh, with Lon Chaney Jr. as the narrator who is in some kind of limbo between heaven and hell telling yep. a lot of strange stories. And, which also, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no and which... yeah, it's also on. Uh, it's also on cult picks actually, and they made a feature film which is completely unwatchable because you don't understand anything of the story called The Devil's Messenger, which is also on cult picks, of course. God, all these great films and cult picks. No, no wonder we keep talking about it. Yeah. What are the odds? Anyway, moving swiftly on, because we don't want to get too bogged down. Uh, we finally get to the director, poor Virgil V. Vogel, um, who began with Abbott and Costello as a, a film editor. Abbott and Costello meets The Invisible Man in 1951, um, but then progressed to bigger and, and more famous things, such as Orson Welles' Touch of Evil. And he, he always kind of had a bit of a background in, in horror, didn't he? I mean, he directed The Mole People in 1956. Yeah, that was his directorial debut, actually. And then went on to the following year to do The Land Unknown, which was, of course, two years before he went on to do Rymd Invasion. Uh, but he didn't really have much of a movie career after that, did he? No, he rather went straight for television and directed a lot of super famous, at least in my youth, super famous TV series like Bonanza, Mission Impossible, The Six Million Dollar Man, Knight Rider, Airwolf, uh, Airwolf uh, Magnum P.I. So mm. he did a lot of things. But I, I remember him mostly for the, fil the series uh, I watched as a kid called 
guldapans hemlighet or the, the, the secret of the golden monkey I'm not sure what the American I, title was about a guy who was flying around in his little plane landing on water in some Caribbean context Oh, I, I remember that. Yeah. That was wasn't that part of Russell or something they showed. Maybe, it's, yeah. But he uh, so since a Saturday night Swedish TV. Thing. Yeah. You so he he directed that whole series as well. Huh. well, hardworking man, and and definitely not to take anything away from him because he did a really good job of directing Terror in the Midnight Sun. But clearly, a you know less of a auteur and more of a just you know good solid working man mm. uh, behind the camera. Virgil W. Vogel fondly remembered. Now, before we get on to the plot and Chewbacca and nudity, let's play another clip. Those reporters have been driving us crazy. Paris wait anything. Washington wait anything. We wait anything we held. Henry, Dr. Wilson. Goodbye. Well, Henry, Dr. Wilson, who are you? Fine. Now, tell me, what's all this commotion about? Meteors have landed in Sweden before, haven't they? Not like this one. So just to set that context, that was the um, meeting of the lead character at the Science Academy in Stockholm. It's all very Swedish-American, strange kind of hybrid thing. Yeah, and also that scene was filmed in the Museum of Natural Science. So they just put up a cardboard sign on top of the logo. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, you see, I'm super nerd. Super <laughs> I'm nerd. learning. Yeah, I'm learning here. But so before we get into the plot of it all, and um, I, I just want to say the thing about Terror in the Midnight Sun is it's actually a good film. I mean, it's not one of those Plan Nine from Outer Space, which is so bad that it's good, or you want to watch it anyway just because of the cardboard set. I mean, it's a really good science fiction film. Okay. It's from the late 50s, 59. So, of course, anything 60-year-old science fiction is going to be a bit cheesy, but it holds up. I mean, there's no wonder it become a classic. It's not just because it's got, you know, bad appeal. It's it's a really well-made film. And we, let's face it, we didn't have many science fiction films in Sweden. No, and, and it was very much the first one which had a, an intention of, of, of being serious and... The production value is great, and and I mean the monster, the the, the mask, the the costume uh, are wonderful. I would say, and it's it's like you know Chewbacca in '59, and and it was <laughs> would be until 1977 when 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 Chewbacca came around. So I don't know if. George Lucas. Let's face it, George Lucas saw everything. I mean, yeah. but he stole from the best. Yeah. He stole from Kurosawa, The Hidden Fortress. He stole from, you know, old Buck Rogers. You know, he, he knew where to go to get the best ideas. So yeah. I don't doubt. We'll pin him down at some point. And he might have him. seen yeah. this one. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. Mm. So briefly, the plot effectively is um, alien thing falls from the sky into the frozen north of Sweden, the Lapland. It's clearly something alien object. We know it's a spaceship. Disturbs the local Sami population herding their reindeers. And scientists soon find out about it, international scientists, and decide to travel to the north to explore what it is exactly that's been going on there. And for a Swedish film, no need for subtitles. Everyone speaks English. Or kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Close enough. 
I mean, the key the key costs are all American yes. and not Swedish. So apart from the indigenous people who speak, what exactly do they speak? Gibberish. Gibberish. I think it's is the right Sami. word. <laughs> no, it's not Sami for sure. Is it North Gibberish or South Gibberish? Because I, I know the Sami uh, distinguishing. It's some is Northwestern Gibberish, I think. Definitely, yeah. And the Swedish actors, they you know, being Swedish, they have no problem understanding the English, do they? It looks like some of them read off big cardboard signs on the side of the camera, but I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, they didn't have Duolingo back then, so and they, you know, probably didn't have YouTube as well to get subtitles. No, from. but that's part of the charm and the appeal of the it film, is. Of it is. Yeah. It doesn't detract from it being still yeah. a good film, but yeah. And so, so let's talk a little bit about um, Chewbacca. Sorry, the monster. So mm. this monster emerges and rampages um, the local population. And meanwhile, he's not the only monster. He's not the only. I mean, he's not the one who's actually piloting the spacecraft, is he? No, the, I mean, th th this is where things are getting really confusing. And, and I don't think anyone has an explanation of, of what's going on. But it seems like the the monster has you know emerged from the spacecraft but inside the the ufo we have these uh, bald white very white faced pale men in white anoraks how do you know they're not green it's black and white they i challenge could you on that one be green that's true we or will the see men, the when grays. when cult picks has enough money we will for sure colorize the whole film and we and we can make them green if you want them, or any other color. I think we just lost half of our podcast audience here. Colorization, <laughs> that's that's satanic evil, isn't it? It's or, fun. And not in a good way. It's fun. No, but <laughs> they they seem to be monitoring this beast, and, and I'm not sure what's going on here, but uh, I, I always enjoy watching them because they are yeah. completely mute. They don't say anything, but they... they they're, they're creepy. They're, they're creepy. Yeah. 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 They're you know they're definitely X Files kind of aliens. Mm. So the Greys, I think they're called. Um, and getting to the monster, I mean, he's very good when he goes on rampage and tears up this tiny village. Which this is no kaju old rubber monster Godzilla. I mean, it's it's a really terrifying rampage. And they did actually because the monster is big. Yes. It wasn't. Yes. It, it was wasn't a... just miniatures. No, the the guy who who played the monster he's a he's a journalist, and we'll actually have to to find him and and interview him one day. Um, he was two meters long, tall, and uh, seven and, feet. Yeah, for you Americans, and uh, very very uncomfortable in his costume, as as we have heard from the producer. Yeah, it took four hours to put on, and he had to have. It's on train carriage even to ferry it up to. That's the what the Sweden. producer claimed, at least, and never check on a good story. No, no, we'll stick to that. Mm. And um, but then Terror in the Midnight Sun somehow also became Invasion of the Animal People. So maybe some people won't recognize the plot and think, "Hang on, I've seen this," but I seem to remember a slightly different film. Yeah, it, the the film was sold or stolen. I'm not sure to to the um, the US uh, and a guy called Jerry Warren re-edited the whole thing and added new scenes with John Carradine uh, explaining stuff in a lab and it's it's all very confusing and and very strange and it's also I think around 15 minutes shorter than the Swedish edit so must have made it even more strange to watch it. So more John Carradine, but less of the actual films. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Very confusing. And um, in terms of the funding, is it true that it was partly sponsored by the tourist board of Lapland? Uh, so I've heard, yes. And, and hence, there's so much skiing, downhill skiing going on in, in the film. I mean, they keep skiing for, for 10, 15 minutes or something. And yeah. you, you can see the, 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 the ski lifts and you, you see yep. uh, the hotel from the, you know, the, the, the resort hotel and the, yeah. a lot of that going on. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure they had some, some sort of sponsorship money from, from that tourist board. And there's some gratuitous skating as well, so, which is completely irrelevant to the plot, but looks great. Yeah, so, and, and, then, and I mean, that's also part of the charm of the film. Uh, the scientists have to bring the daughter of one of them who happens to be an Olympic skater. Just you know, pure coincidence. But I, no, she was already there when they arrived. That oh, was that was oh, the amazing yeah, coincidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. And uh, and of course, um, she has to be abducted by the monster. Of course, and mm. she has to scream. Mm. I think we're going to play one of the screams. Yeah, let's do. And that. of course, there has to be a gratuitous, well, semi-gratuitous. This is 1959, kids. Nude scene. So, yeah, the, yeah, I mean that's part of the, the the Swedish sin thing, isn't it? That that there should be some nudity in all Swedish films uh, or exploitation mm. films, at least. But here, unfortunately, uh, it's shot. It's a t- it's a shower scene, of course, but it's shot behind frosted glass. And to yeah. many people's disappointment, I have to say that it's not the actress herself, Barbara Wilson, but a stunt double. Oh. I know. I was when I read this, and you told me in the the line notes here. I was gutted. I mean, <laughs> maybe I got yeah. my hopes up, but clearly she had a no, no nudity clause. Understand that she's a very pretty actress, Barbara Wilson, and she did quite a few um, horror and exploitation titles, didn't she? In addition to Terror in the Midnight yeah, Sun. Yeah, I so. mean, reading through her filmography is is so much fun. She was in Teenage Doll. She was in Blood of Dracula, not to be confused with Blood. For Dracula by nope. Andy Warhol, yep. uh, she was in Lost, Lost, Lonely and Vicious, which is a juvenile delinquent film, and uh, I think, think finally she was in a film called The Flesh Eaters, which is not about uh, cannibalism, Cannibals? but nope. about some bugs eating people. Ah, that's okay. I'll mm. I'll do flesh eating bugs. Mm. That's good too. But. Um, that's a great thing to have in any any re- resume as as an actress. But then she just vanished. I mean, I've tried to look her up online. It's a generic name enough, Barbara mm-hmm. Wilson. But after those films in the sixties, and and she's old enough to still be alive. Yeah, you know, it'd be wonderful to track her down and and interview her if she's still alive and and find out of the experience not just of Terror in the Midnight Sun, but all of these films. I mean it. It must have been something to have been an actress back then and to be typecast and do a good job because she does do a good job. I mean, she's yeah. not yeah, yeah, she's, uh, she's Judy great. Dench, but no, but I mean, she's, she, she's great. But the thing is that that she 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 disappeared from the face of the earth, but so did the Swedish actor Stan Gester, or I think he was called Stan Gester here. Yeah, uh, he starred or was at least cast in 34 movies. Um, He did uh, Terror in the Midnight Sun in 1959. And then his last role was in 1962. And I thought, I have to look him up. And uh, no, he did not die in a car crash. He lived until 2006. So he must have, I don't know, been fed up with the movies or something because he was a stage actor after that. 
Oh, so he did continue acting, just not in front of the yeah, camera. Yeah, I think so. And the funny thing is that also checking up on him, he's in quite a number of the the films we have on, on cult picks. So, for instance, he's in Dance Salongen, The Dance Hall, which is a kind of a juvenile delinquent thriller drama. And also in Linja 6, Line 6, which was also produced by Mr. Bertil who made um, Terror in the Midnight Sun. So he likes them, but... Yeah, and oh, he okay. also moved to Hollywood for a while, and he was also in the Swedish-American TV series Foreign Intrigue. Never heard of it, but mm. that sounds like something for another day. Yeah. And finally, I uh, know two more. We have Åke Grönberg, Swedish actor, typically known for comedies. Again, this is like, this is getting repetitive, but Linje 6, Line 6, he was in that. Mm-hmm. And he's also in Paradiset or Paradise, which is a, a warning film about the, the, the hazards of alcoholism, where he yes. plays a, a worker who is down and out and comes up again, and also a CEO of a big company who is yeah. uh, sober but turns alcoholic and everything goes down the drain. So that's a, that's a good one that we have. I was thinking we should put all of these line notes on uh, the blog for yeah. people, for the for the two people in the whole world, in all eternity, who are going to be interested. And it's like, how, how do you spell his name? What, what were the other things he was in? You know, because I can see um, a veritable non-stampede of people interested in finding out which other films Oki Grönberg was in. But yes, but we do want to cater for the completists, don't we? We do. Yeah. We do. Both yeah, of you. We sure. love you both, especially. <laughs> and finally... The less-known uh, brother of uh, Richard Burton. <laughs> Robert, Robert Bert- Burton. Yeah, American actor. He had 169 acting credits in just 10 years. Incredible. 1952 to 1961. Yeah. How is and, that even possible? And then he also disappeared from the face of the earth. Is this, is this the curse of the terror curse in the of Midnight, the Midnight, Midnight Sun? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Scary shit, my God. And he went out with a bang, though, because his last role was in a film called, what? Slime People. We need this film for cult picks. I, we, I, I don't care what it's about. No, we have it's to find it. The Slime we must, People. We must. Find it, very we'll, smart peddlers. Find we'll, it. Put we'll, it on there. Yep. Now, just to titillate you, even though it's not her, but you know, we did like Barbara Wilson. So to make it a little bit adventurous, we're going to play you the shower scene here on Cult Picks Radio in uncensored, full-blown, you know, you'll be able to hear the whole nudity. So try, please try to picture this. that wasn't steamy i don't know what is so the shower I'm scene so and excited scene. right now <laughs> behave behave um the infamous famous shower scene from terror in the midnight sun and not to do a final spoiler but even even the title is wrong isn't it because there there is no midnight sun uh in, no in, i mean that, north, that that's the, the, that's the crazy thing uh, uh, and i think that the, the producers were 
much very much aware of the of the of the UK title of the film Terror in the Midnight Sun because yeah. uh, people of the world who are not f- familiar with the Scandinavian way in Sweden Norway and Finland up north in the summer you have something called the midnight sun which means the sun almost never sets in summer yep. in the winter it's pitch black 24/7 because yep. you know so terror in the midnight sun in the middle of the winter doesn't make any sense at all shocking a science fiction that does not obey the laws of nature i don't I believe shocked, i, I don't you. believe this film it spoils the whole thing. No, it doesn't. It's a great film. Now, after Terror in the Midnight Sun, I'd love to say that it's unleashed a wave of creativity and set the you know ball rolling for a number of great science fiction films in Sweden. But sadly, that wasn't the case, was it? No. Can we illustrate this with some tumbleweed passing through the room? Yeah. Please. <whistles> That's the sweetest science fiction scene. Yeah. You could basically not quite. say that. No. Um, I mean, there were a few things. Let's not be completely done on the brave souls who did try to defy the kitchen sink Bergman realism drama. No, it's true. It's It, it has been, I mean, not much about aliens. I mean, you could call some of, of the films science fiction because they are situated in the future. But yeah. uh, if we're going to talk about your little green men from Mars... We do have yep. one movie like that. We do. Funnily enough, it's called Little Green Man from Outer Space. Exactly. In Swedish. Yeah. And it was directed by Hans Hattvig, who uh, also made the film Blödaren, The Bleeder, which mm. is a slasher movie that you can see on cult pics. And um, he's a German guy who came to Sweden because he had seen so many films with beautiful nude blondes. Yep. And he stayed on for 50 years after that. And he's a great guy. Good man. And he also ran uh he was the editor-in-chief of the magazine okay which was a youth magazine about i remember that pop stars and it was a big big thing in sweden when we were kids so um good for him and he made this film in a an amusement park in sweden yeah but after that we have some children's films we have a couple of dystopias but no no hard sci-fi i mean nobody's attempted you know, no. anything vaguely Blade Runner-ish, even on a budget. No, not they? really. No, not really. Unfortunately, because I think that, that uh, you know, the Swedish, uh, you know, the, the the nature, you could do some pretty cool stuff, as they actually did in, in Terror in the Midnight Sun, using the, the, the mountains yeah. and the slopes and everything. So. Well, funny enough, the best science fiction, Swedish science fiction, it hasn't been a film. It was a uh, cartoon, cause, which they turned into an Amazon series. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Um, which is brilliant because it inserts robots and spaceships into 1980s Sweden. So it's like stra- it was Stranger Things before Stranger Things. Um, and I'm furiously trying to remember the name mm, of the yeah, author. Yeah, no, I know, but it, it's 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 an illustrator who made these wonderful, wonderful photorealistic images of of Swedish nature uh, yeah. versus robots and and spacecraft. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it took me back to my sci-fi. Uh, sorry, to my um, um, youth because. Um, you know, I grew up in the 80s and that's not. And it's turned into a, um Amazon series called uh, Tales from the Loop. That's and right. It was originally written by Simon Stolen Hogg. That's true. So 
credit Seema Stålenhag, more of a science fiction author than Sweden has ever produced. That's lovely. So, and then two years ago, we had the uh, the filming of a Swedish poetic epic called Aniara. Yes, based and, on a book. And uh, it's uh, situated on a spacecraft. Uh, humanity is leaving Earth because of of uh, pollution and and contamination. So it's sort of an environmental friendly film so to speak and but it's basically to me it's just a big psychodrama going on and on forever it was shot in a shopping mall and on a finland ferry on, a, on one of these cruise ships going back and forth from stockholm yeah. to helsinki it's been many years since i went on one of the cruise ships but from what i remember it didn't feel very science fictiony or no like they, they had some pretty good uh, special effects shots of of space but they were maybe three minutes out of the 90s so yeah. it didn't do it for me sorry no um let's wrap it up on there on terror in the midnight sun which you can watch on cult picks rymd invasion i lapland and um we're gonna play you a song at the end of this podcast which i promise is coming to an end very very soon so before we do though um, Rick, uh, Smut Peddler, can you tell us a little bit about what's going to be happening in the week ahead for you and for Cult Picks? Well, we hope to finalize some of the deals we are working on, and it looks very, very promising. Um, so that's what we're, we're aiming for. We know there will be some articles in Norway and Italy about Cult Picks, and we will see. And Spain if, too. And I Spain think. too. Okay. Mm. So we will see if we see the Finland effect from those <laughs> as well. We're going to call it that from now on, the Finland effect. Yeah, I'm very excited. Oh, me too. And yeah, there's, there's so much, I mean, so much more we could do. I'd love to have the time to just go online and track down the subtitles for all of the films on cult picks. I mean, for some of the films we have, like, yeah, obviously, a Plan 9 from Outer Space and so on. I mean, there's, there's subtitles in Estonian. Mm. And, you know, it, it doesn't cost anything to add them. So it'd be fun to do, but it's just a question of time and... and yeah, time. Yeah, but, ta- but, but touching on that subject, we have an ambition to subtitle all non-English speaking films to at least English. So yes. it, it, it's a labor of love. It will take some time, but it is. please be it patient is. because it's going to happen. Yes, no, and true. And when we say non-English, we're mainly talking Swedish. So yes, for mainly. all of the people who are desperate, desperate, I tell you, to watch Hellebaka Gord and find out the monumental decision will they switch from a horse to a tractor but you know how will they know if they can't understand what is being said unless a tractor appears at the end it's true but we can also you know make you happy saying that out of the films that have been released by club super 8 the swedish exploitation films 30 of them are either with english dialogue or now with english subtitles so that's a lot here, here. And some of them are even in, we've even got French and German dubs. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like we're lazy. And some of the Swedish films, we don't even have Swedish dialogue for. We only have the surviving English one. True. So, well, we've almost reached an hour and the end of everybody's patience. So before we say thank you, um, shall we say a few things about the song that we're going to finish with, which is taken from Terror in the Midnight Sun? Yes, it's a very, very famous singer called Britta Borg, 
who uh, which will not be uh, we, it would be frowned upon by some these days she one of her big song numbers was fat mammy brown which she did huh. in, in blackface oh dear uh, yeah back We're in the 50s we're definitely not going to be playing that and and i'm you know let's face it that that was that time and and it wouldn't have been done now but she was great and she is singing a version of a very traditional song called Akvärmeland du sköna which is a landscape in Sweden and the song originally is a very very uh, i would say local patriotic about if i ever if i ever marry someone it has to be a girl from Värmland yeah it's but, almost more famous than the Swedish national anthem and more beautiful, I yeah, say. Yeah, it's wonderful. But it has some new lyrics here uh, for Terror in the Midnight Sun. And they've jazzed it up a bit. So, you know, it's a really, really nice song. And, and one of the highlights of this amazing film, Rymdimashon i Lapland, Terror in the Midnight Sun, which is what we have been talking about in this episode, the second episode of Cult Picks Radio, WCPX 66.6 on your pod dial with me. Your host, Django Nudo. And the Smut Peddler. Thank you very much from us. Until next time, here is Akvarmelandusjöna. Om natten är jag ensam och känner mig What's it called, Eric? The Midnight Sun. It's based on an old Swedish melody. About love? Because I love you only. I am alone in the world. No one is there. No one to share. The Midnight Sun. My arms wait impatiently for you to come to me. The night will not be lonely, for we will be as one while sharing love. The beauty of the midnight sun.